No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and with me this week on the podcast, I have my good friend, Knute Sands. Knute is an interesting guy. He is a talker, and you can hear quickly from the start how much we just we hit the ground running and we get going and I had so much fun talking with him that I was watching the times we were talking and realizing we didn't cover a fraction of what I wanted to cover with him I said look let's let's cut this in half let's only make the people listen so much until we get to the breaking point and then have you come back in for part two of this so what we did this week is this is actually part one of my talk with Canute because we just talk about so much um, related but seemingly uh, divergent stuff. We just we talk about the history of representation of afterlife in medieval culture. We talk about uh, medical concerns. We talk about living in the cold. We talk about all sorts of uh, all sorts of stuff related to the idea of death and the way we start dancing around it. We really pick up some gravity towards the end and start to really orbit around it. And then for part two. I go through some real bullet point questions picking up on everything that we've talked about in this first episode and say, let's unpack this more. So this is a really fun uh, really fun exercise for me to say, what does part one look like and what will part two look like? Uh, both are done and in the bag, so part one is this week, part two will be next week, and uh, just give it a listen. He's a really interesting guy with a lot of unusual takes on life, death, absurdity, what it means to be a person here, and uh, how to make meaning out of your own life, and how to deal with the voices uh, inside our heads. So as always, if you've got thoughts, comments, uh, anything you want to get back to me to let me know how I'm doing, or how you have insight into something, or if I say something on the podcast that you think, you know what, he's mostly right about this, but mostly wrong about this, send me an email or send me a tweet or let me know on Instagram, uh, you're dead too at Gmail, uh, you're dead too at Twitter, uh, at you're dead too on Instagram. Um, I'm available. Let me know. Love to hear what you're thinking. And uh, as always, I hope you enjoy. Relax and listen. If I make it weird, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we have with us today Canute Sands. Canute, say hello to the people. Hey, people. So, Canute is somebody that I have periodically reached out in my life to whenever I've been feeling the the risk of becoming stagnant or uh, growing too much moss. You're somebody who's good at tipping the rock over down the hill and just saying go. So, if I was going to do you. the the corporate, you know, forty thousand feet overview, who yeah. is Canute? Like corporate the corporate overview <laughs> just that language of like what how do you zoom out My on hashtags. a person's life like yeah, what do yeah. you how would you kind of present yourself to the internet at large like who are sure. you sure well i think how i'd present myself to the internet at large and just how i would just you know present myself here are a little different obviously yes i have a marketing career and an online I guess persona. If you saw me on the internet, you'd be like, "Oh, he's a marketer. He's a cross country skier. He's has lots of connections on LinkedIn, and you know, is very experienced among corporate five hundred clients. You know, blah 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 blah." So, um, who am I here today? I mean, um, it's a big question, obviously, and we're talking about some heavy stuff. But I mean, just in the world, I'm just just one person among billions and billions, and you know, um, I'm a creative. I'd say. 
through and through more than anything. I, um, I mean, right now in my professional role, I'm in more of an analytics um, position where I'm working in a lot of search engine optimization and like consumer online behavior and how to translate that into making stuff on the web that matters. Um, but that to me is like a super creative role um, because how you react to data and what you do with it and then what you make um, and what you expect out of the audience is um, you, you have to just come up with that shit. So um, that's, that's, I guess that in a nutshell, but I'm also a musician. Um, I'm a writer. Um, I've got a lot of uh, fiction on my hard drive that's never been published by anyone. A lot of weird science fiction, a lot of space stuff. Um, I mean, in college, I took a lot of different courses. I, I had a history degree ultimately, but I mean, I've done poetry. I've done a lot of different weird writing. I, um, yeah, I think I'm just probably if you wanted to know like who am I um, more than anything else I'm like a curious person uh, I explore a lot so you know whether we're talking about here death or uh, like more recently I've been reading about Egyptology and Egypt history so like Coptic um, Egyptian translation in the first to third centuries yeah did you go to that exhibit I totally did okay so what it's at the Minneapolis Institute of Art is that right yeah okay and it's ending in like the next week or two so if you're going to go to the Minneapolis Museum of Arts please go soon sorry no that's <laughs> I just I think of that because I think Plug. I remember seeing that on your something online maybe or that might have been somebody I else I took some photos yeah I'm a photographer now I guess I'm not really but I you're I, a man of many hats I invested in some really high quality camera gear um and I've been shooting wedding videos because my wife is a, a wedding planner and event planner um, and my much better half. Whoops, I'm making white noise here. No, but you're somebody who you've got a lot within you that you just you don't like to tamp down. There are people no. who I I think that I know similar to you who are very content to really funnel that into one particular thing. But you're somebody who likes to do many different things. And if something catches yeah. your eye, yeah. you kind of want to go for it. Yeah, I find that in if it's photography or music or film or history or writing, um, just people, um, the, the, the more you look into things, I mean, you see similar, um, issues and patterns and, uh, it doesn't really matter what the medium is or what culture it is. Uh, you see similar themes crop up. And so, yeah, I think a lot of people look at my track record or, you know, my job history or, and they're like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, he's, all over the place and i'm like yeah not really it's just like i get super bored in a single silo um eventually and you know i have to be sort of uh stimulated to want to keep going super hard you know because i like to go hard i'm cross-country skier i compete i do the berkey every year i'm on a ski team you know um and so to want to keep doing that you know to keep that sport interesting or to keep anything interesting you sort of have to introduce new elements where you're not learning and growing and changing. You're just stagnating and dying. <laughs> I, and that's that's what I mean, man. A rolling stone that gathers no moss. You just, you're not somebody who's content to sit and do one thing. As soon as you've kind of figured something out, you start to get restless and kind of, but it's never with any kind of announcement or grandiosity. It's just like you look over and suddenly you're like, if you were a kid on the playground, it's like, how did you get from the jungle gym all the way over to the top of the basketball hoop? What are you doing up there? Like you are. I cut school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so you were raised in Minnesota, right? Yes, Hopkins, Minnesota. Like many other people who've been here. But yep. then you went to Colorado? Yeah, UC Boulder, or CU Boulder um, for undergrad. 
okay. feels like a lifetime ago. Well, it um, was, man. It's about half your life ago. <laughs> it's seriously, yeah. I kind of had that realization, turned 35 the other day, and um, yeah, it, it, I kind of had that realization that college was a good good long bit ago. And um, yeah, but so spent time in, if we want to go sort of timeline, yeah, Hopkins High School, went to CU Boulder. Um, after that, I moved home. Um, and I've lived more or less in Minneapolis ever since. I've taken some time off and traveled, um, you know, on a, on a number of different trips, um, maybe only one sort of extensively or actually full on like away from um, the Twin Cities for a period of time, but never really transplanted and lived anywhere but kind of those two places permanently. Why do you think you've stuck around here? I mean, other than, say, friends and family, do you, is there yeah. anything about the climb you love skiing that's like a definite thing about you that i think of is that you're a big skier yeah no i i love the twin cities i didn't love the twin cities and it's taken me probably 10 years to fall in love with the metro and just the state of minnesota um i mean i grew up here but i'm i'm very much culturally more aligned i think with like a colorado lifestyle or maybe a northern california lifestyle and that sounds so hipster to say but most of the activities I like to do, um, even if they're snow based, um, are, you know, there's, there is maybe a dominant culture here that you just kind of have to ignore, I think, to be like you or me, um, living in the Twin Cities or living in Minnesota or living in the Midwest, if I could generalize it. To clarify, I gave Canute a look there at that last statement. So he's trying to backpedal and say, well, what, what that means is like, no. So what do you mean by bucking the culture of like? Sure. Um, talking about UFTA? Oh, no, yeah, there's there's the UFTA stuff. I think all that stuff is endearing. I think the, the cultural cues are wonderful. And any cultural cue, um, I think, can be a lens into like – uh, you know, the immigrant population, where people are from, the past, the history, the accents. But no, I'm talking about um, kind of post-industrial Lutheran guilt complex. I don't know hey. anyone that lives in the Midwest that doesn't have an insane amount of personal guilt and frustration and, and anxiety and sort of like workaholicness and like needing to prove to someone that they are going to do something great. Like we were all raised to believe that we're special and that might be all of kind of Western society, but yeah, I think most of us in the Midwest in a unique fashion were raised with this, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like tough it out, figure it out mentality. And I hate that. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I live by it in so many ways, but like after frankly years of therapy, I'm like, I'm, I trying to like myself, you know, <laughs> like hmm. I'm, I'm trying not to be so mean to myself. But and... isn't that a sin to be happy? Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> kind of a, a failing of character to be so thrilled with your life? Like, that's... I mean, no. <laughs> you've, you've unknowingly hit on like one of the core things that I keep coming back to, which is that everybody I've talked to so far, I've wondered about how they handle these ideas of guilt and yeah. anxiety and bigger ideas like this that just how do you how does that impact your daily life or does it not and i've had people yeah on who are incredibly well adjusted or what they would consider emotionally restrained to which i think boy that seems really nice <laughs> it just seems like yeah. that's if anything it's like deadening a sense that's out of control because they're able to just function in a day-to-day -day life but you're right. finding that it's 
it's something that you've had to kind of work with the confines of anybody, God willing, that is dumb enough to stick out the nine months of darkness and cold and slush and (laughs) shoveling and risk of death if you just lock yourself out of your house, that you must have a certain fortitude of character to want to live here and suffer through the Vikings and the Timberwolves and, like, we're just... It requires a very specific type of person. Yeah. So if you are not one to embrace what nature gives you, it can be really a lot of inside time. And you're somebody who says, cold times be damned, I'm going out and I'm doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's maybe if you want to circle back to character and we're um, we're not talking so much about death yet. Well, I think we should get there because we're getting closer. But mm-hmm. no, we're um, circling the drain. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're circling the drain here. Um for me in my character i very very much i think have always been defined by um or maybe defined against like i think cross-country skiing is an interesting sport for like you don't belong in spandex at five i had a lot of races this winter that were like a degree out you know and and i did like all of them and every time i'm like 5k into like a 30 kilometer race or a 50 and i'm like fuck you know every (laughs) time i'm like fuck this shit i hate this I, I, what am I doing? Every muscle in my body hurts. In defiance of God and nature, I am out here naked right. as a jaybird, right. with the exception of a thin layer of spandex right. and like, yeah. yeah. But we, like, by the time I finish any of those races, is the kicker. I'm like, okay, great. Like, I feel great, and it's that sense for me of like overcoming. It's like type two fun. You, and I find that in learning or in like anything, there's that period of discomfort, and then there's an acceptance and then there's more of a cadence and then you're happy with it. But it's never like, I think the happiest people and the happiest things in life, except that happiness is not sunshine. You know, happiness is going out on a cloudy day and saying, fuck, I don't want to do this. And it's freezing or whatever it is. And then by the end of the day or by the end of the experience, you're, you're rewarded. Um, so, I mean, yeah, to, to blow that out in an even bigger sense, I mean, that, we're talking about Minnesota. We're talking about me. But so I think to struggle is important. Um, and I think that's that's in the roots of Minnesotans. You know, none of us as post-immigrant people, like we all come from immigrant families. Um, none of us don't have stories or ancestors that didn't struggle like a ton more than we do. Um, but that's with us. And so... I think it's interesting in our faith because I'm someone who's crossed several faiths and now is, I don't know, poly faith or just able to accept that I don't won't get to know and that I get to cross the door and find out. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah, but but I, I, I think that's baked into all of us in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. I would I would definitely agree. It's uh, what I've thought about a lot with um creativity and artistic endeavors that good art is made through adversity that totally. um, and i think we've talked about this you and i uh off air that george lucas with the first you know 1979 or 77 star wars all of that was made through the lens of him fighting the system the entire way and him having to self-finance it and giving himself heart palpitations and then once you give him carte blanche that's where you get the prequels and it's not good because there's no adversity there you know it's and it's and another example i just found out about lately was uh hideo kojima the guy who made metal gear and all those Mm. games basically was 
first going to make a really big action game back in the days of Nintendo and MSX, but the system limitations were such that they were like, we we literally can't do that. So we said, okay, well, what if we make a game about sneaking instead? Right. And it went on to be, you know, a series of the most revered games in gaming culture because he started out saying we can't do this. Like the right. idea of those limitations, those things to say, here is your framework to work within, make something out of that. Like that's kind of what I love about the winter and being locked in somewhere and yeah. having to just like, okay, it's going to be blizzard just bunker down, yeah. cook a bunch of food, right. put on a movie, put on some good music, and just, like, we're going to survive this. You know, I love yeah. crazy weather like that. So oh, It's probably the root for this podcast and why it is. <laughs> so to that end. In the face of and what could be death. You've well A podcast about death. Nobody gets out of here alive. <laughs> From a theological perspective, you were raised yeah. in a Lutheran household? No, um, we... Well, kind of. My dad came from a Lutheran family, and uh, my mom. Well, uh, well, no. She we we went to a Presbyterian church. Um, I should remember. I can't remember what my mom grew up, but she was extremely uh, religious in her younger years, and still. Um, and my dad too, but my mom mainly. She's been a deacon at our church, or what was my church, for a long time, periodically, on and off again, and. Yeah, I was raised sort of Presbyterian, but it was kind of like, you know, Bud Light Christianity. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's it, I thought it was a really healthy experience. It could have maybe been one of the more healthy Christian um, frameworks, uh, and I appreciate it. Um, you know, it wasn't fire and brimstone at, at, at any phase. Yeah, that's kind of the, the only real kicker is I have no qualms about raising a child religiously, right. but like, that kind of fear and damnation of, you yeah. know, don't you dare, like, that's where it starts to become... Sin. Yeah. The devil. So you had kind of the, the conventional Jesus loves you kind of... Sometimes. <laughs> okay. Jesus loves you sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Jesus loves you always, but also if you do sin too much, there is a hell. Yeah, for sure. So from a very early age for me, um, there was a concept of uh, good and bad, good and evil, death... I remember one of my earliest memories of having like a color Christian book was I'm terrified of snakes. I hate snakes in a past life or today at some point in my life, I think maybe snakes will kill me or I'm just going to wake up in a bed of snakes and just fucking die of a heart attack. So is that based in anything? Does that stem it's not from based an in incident? Anything. It's insane. But I remember being super young and reading through this picture book, this Christian picture book. And there was, um, I don't even remember what the story was or the fable, but there's, um, there's, there's a pit two big of ones snakes. that can get. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's not the Garden of Eden, and it's not nope. Moses throwing the staff down. No, it's like there's there was this pick. Oh, it's, I should try to find the. Book. Are you sure this wasn't Indiana Jones and then? It the, wasn't. It wasn't because I can remember <laughs> like I can remember the page, and it was, um, there was like a tale about what I, I can't. I'll have to look it up. But there pit was there snakes? was it wasn't really a pit, but it was like in this. Um, I think it was sort of a parallel to evil, et cetera, and it was it was some story from the Bible about, um, yeah, one of the characters. But the, I just remember there being a lot of snakes on the page, and I was from that moment, you know, that was pretty distinctly tied to both my fear of snakes and then also my association with snakes being evil, which is something I haven't gotten over. Which I know they're not evil, you know, bless their sick fucking hearts, <laughs> but like. They do good work against the wombat, or no, the mongoose community? Yeah, no, whatever so they eat. I don't know. 
but it's a it's a very biological repulsion thing. Like you see that movement and yeah, it just don't do that. Don't hey. like that movement. Yeah, I have to look around myself. Though. No, we're good down here. It's yeah. <laughs> if anything, it's, it's box elder bugs, but we should be good down yeah. here. Um, so from early on, snakes bad. Snakes bad. Jesus is love. Jesus is mostly love. love. Oh yeah, hundred percent love. But yeah, with some caveats. Did you get the conventional kind of introductory funeral experience of grandma's in heaven now? Or like, what was your first well, major? grandma specifically. Um, <laughs> no, grandma and Don't grandma. throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> no, no, no one's going under the bus. Um, grandma and grandpa on my dad's side passed before I was born. Um, so that wasn't really on the table. Uh Grandpa on my mom's side had a stroke when I was 11 and was pretty well debilitated. Um, he was probably, well, this is a lot of information, um, but he was a World War II veteran. Um, he was a tank gunner and tank driver. And then after the war, he drove a bunch of generals around in a Jeep and got like trench mouth and almost died and liberated a bunch of uh, concentration camps. Um, yeah, so dude saw some stuff yeah um, saw some saw some messed up stuff and i would say arguably some of the worst stuff humanity's done yeah period. actually it's a yeah. high yeah. score that's some really bad shit yeah so i wouldn't attribute his stroke to that but i mean i think i know his brother went to the mayo clinic and did um some ptsd stuff later in life when he was some 75 80 years old um and he had been sleeping with rails on his bed since the war Whoa. you know because he was rolling out of bed and um so the first maybe uh death funeral experience um there were others with friends or with you know friends parents etc but um yeah my grandpa on that side was probably the first um in terms of like i was 11 or 12 he had a stroke it was very bad and it was um you know it wasn't that much longer a few years um that he was uh, in some sort of hospice and sort of passed away. So, um, right. But I never had the chance to be, I've always felt, and my mom has always told me I'm similar to my grandpa. I like to be in the woods. I like to be away from people. Um, and I'm big into fishing and he was a huge outdoorsman and, um, yeah. So I actually carry his, I have his war Bible. It's not on me now. But that's something that I inherited, which is pretty cool. Like it's got, it literally has flack on it from like explosions. It's this, it's this little it's Bible. It's literally a Bible that he carried with him in war as like yeah. the holy scripture to guard you from. Yeah, yeah. It's got Fra Franklin D. Roosevelt letter in the front and the whole deal. And so I've always kept that. Um, is it like the size of a deck of playing cards? Yeah, like playing big? cards. So, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. crazy. Yep. And he wasn't like, um, they weren't super religious i think they they of that time they were like it was definitely not a debatable thing back then either it was well, kind of like no, but there was that, aren't. there was that period though like 20s 30s like th they were you know the roaring 20s and 30s and 40 like the even into the 40s like there was some heavy drinking and smoking and like have fun like <laughs> oh the great gatsby here yeah, yeah okay yeah no nobody like looked down on i mean now it's like if you're a heavy drinker people are like you have a problem and also religiously you could look at that and go that's sinful because it's bad i yeah. don't think in that time people were thinking about those issues like that so well no he, he wasn't a drunk but i mean they were in an era where you know they maybe smoked more and drank more and like you go to sunday church and it's fine 
<laughs> it's yeah, fine. You punch your card and you're good. No, it's and it's it's something that's always stuck in my craw and I've talked to my own therapist about it too that yeah. I've had admonition from my parents of just you know, be mindful that there is in your family history there's alcoholism like yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, because we're white people from Northern Europe. That's look at the last ten thousand years. Yeah, there's not a lot of outdoor activity for most. Let it of be the year. noted, we're drinking vodka right now. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, we're just this cusp of the winter finally getting done. We're in full <laughs> spring right now, um, but it's humanity evolved adjacent to dogs, religion, and alcohol. I mean, yeah. these are things that have just kind of been there from the start of us, and. Right. Yes, obviously there are people that are hardwired for a variety of responses and their socio-cultural uh, impacts from other things, but alcohol and religion and dogs, they just, they're these things that kind of came to ascendancy yeah. with us that have shaped how we deal with all of this stuff. Like That's why we're so upset when dogs die. Yeah. More than humans sometimes. And actually, previous guest uh, Carly Alexander talked about how there is a dopamine response in our brain when we look at them, like similar to when we look at our own children. We see yeah. these, these faces looking up at us. And I thought that it was just dogs that had looked more and more puppyish as they right. evolved, that they were just wolves that got closer to the fire. And she said, no, there's actually more of a, you know, it's not unlike how cats have that um, annoying. <laughs> No, it's uh, I, I bacteria a in their um, bacteria in their waste that it causes mice to be more docile. So when huh. cats come closer to them, the mice basically just say, "Okay, I'm here. Eat, oh, go shit. ahead." But yeah. as human owners of them, <laughs> we then evolved to like become cat people and want oh. to have them around. So it's like this weird Stockholm syndrome of like, yeah. But we're all over the map here. Point is, what happens when we die? Yeah. So we're kind of dancing around the subject. Sure, kind of let's dive in. It. Absolutely. We've kind of glanced off of it a couple of times. Yeah. I like asking these questions about kind of where you're from, what your background is, to help get some kind of the broader strokes of what this is. So Knut Sands, line drive down the middle, sure. what happens when we die? What happens when we die? Um, what might scare you is it might not be the same. Um, I have a lot of answers for this. Yeah, that's the first time anybody's ever said that. What does that mean? It means what I mean by it, you know, but it means you don't know and I don't know. And lots of people will say they know. And I don't mean any offense to any of them in saying you don't know. But no, that's the whole point of this is that I have no idea. I don't yeah, claim any authority. Yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't gotten into a, a lot of territory that we might need to, which I'm excited to. But um, I, personally, um, I mean, I'll just give you the straight answer. What happens when you die? I have no idea. Um, and I'm just coming to a point in my life where I'm okay with that. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with it. But w what I think, so what do I think happens? I don't know that I think I know what happens, but I think there's a lot of options I believe are, uh, possible. And I'm, I'm willing on the spectrum from sort of one to a hundred, I'm willing to evaluate those as viable options and sort of think, well, it'll be interesting to find out, you know, because I've been a born again Christian at some period and it's like, I'm going to go to heaven or I'm going to go, there's, there's going to be a, an experience afterlife that is, um, joyous, um, in it, it, or I've been in periods of like more spiritual darkness where I don't believe any of that. And I'm like, 
it's just blackness. You just turn off and you aren't anymore. What somebody referred to recently as the Sopranos ending, where it's just like Correct. lights cut, that's it. Correct. Okay. Um, I don't totally believe that there isn't a soul. Um, that there I, isn't a soul. I believe that there is a soul. I okay. believe I have a soul. I believe in some level of hardwiring. I don't totally believe in uh, rebirth or – because that's what heaven is too, right? We paint this picture of like the white doors open and you come to a parking lot full of other happy people and ladies and gentlemen, you're in heaven. I'm like, well, where are the ping pong tables? Like, you know, <laughs> like what is it, you know? And so I think even the concepts of heaven are so childish when you actually look at them, when you actually break them down. Um, so I, I don't believe in a heaven. I believe in, I, I, I think there, I should preface all this. It's like, there may be a heaven. Congratulations, Christianity and Judaism and everything else. I great. If there is, you know, and if I'm admitted sweet, I'll be the first one through the door. They'd be like, holy shit, this seemed unlikely, <laughs> but wow, Jesus, and gentlemen, you know, I'm not dick. saying it in vain. I'm just like, Jesus. Okay, like I'll be the first one to be like, sure. For, sorry for having all the doubt. I, I cannot I'm on believe board. this. This is great. Now, if I you gotta wrong. like chastise me, or if I've got to do some, you know, penance. But you know, that's just one of a hundred thousand possibilities. And do you think that that kind of simplistic, childlike view of like everybody in white and like clouds everywhere? Do you think that that is like a uh societal hangover from childhood that we don't acknowledge digging further into it because it sounds like from no. what I've talked to a lot of people that they don't want to dig into it and that's certainly why yeah, this is sure. this is making for weird conversations because this is not pleasant conversational stuff that like people right. want to get into Nobody I'll tell you exactly what it is what is it it is a very well coordinated artistic version of events that has been sold to christian people for thousands of years to keep them from sinning. Keeping them from sinning keeps them aligned with a societal structure that pleases um, the people who are in a position of power that have a reason to want sort of a peaceable assembly of tithing humans. Yeah, the idea of... That's so sad that I just... I'm so sorry, Christians. I just... I'm a student of history and... That, that the the picture I'm speaking specifically about the picture that image of ascending and like a new life where all of your pain is gone your suffering is gone nobody's hungry yeah, nobody why would goes, I want my all of my pain to go away how would I know what joy feels like right what okay yeah and that's something I've talked about a bit with other guests the idea of history being written by the winners so the idea yes. of I'm fascinated with the Bible as this collection of stories on one hand of, okay, even if they're just uh, anecdotes, you know, great, tales Great to, reference points. Yeah. Yeah. Great morality plays to show, look, here's our history as a culture. Here's the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament, the general ideas behind them. But then what is the spin of 2,000 years of monarchs and yeah. secret organizations and people saying, well, but if we just change this language here, we right. can get Philip in as the next guy in charge, yeah. and we'll just change a couple of names in here back to what looks like he was supposed to be the guy all, like that well, secret I don't, history. I don't think it was that clean well, or, or that, that divisive, but I think if you look at the period, 
the first through the fourth centuries when the Holy Roman Catholic Church, A, when the Holy Roman Empire fell, and B, when the Holy Roman Church coalesced into something that also united Christendom across what was potentially a threatened area, especially then as, um, you know, they were facing threats from a, from a new religion, um, being, you know, Muslims, etc. Oh, here we go. Um, but that, that was a real potential in, say, the 4th through the 7th centuries that um, you would have had uh, not the demise of Christendom, but um, a whole lot of territory in Europe, the Middle East, um, Istanbul, Constantinople at the time. Um, Slipping on the grasp of power that there yeah. was a threat of. Right. And so this is the kind of stuff like I've completely forgotten about your historical background that you would know yeah. all of this stuff. And this is why like I've got my own kind of like pop culture grandiose uh self-aggrandizing standing on the shoulders of giants like i know so much about like no but this is somebody who's actually studied this stuff i was a philosophy major i know just enough to screw myself up but like this kind of stuff so the idea that well for one when that was happening so first through the fourth century yep and then seventh through well you could argue till now but um i mean so there's there's the history there's the culture and then there's um I mean, the Bible, et cetera. It's been looked at in a number, and we could do a whole podcast on just this. Yeah. But, I mean, if we're going to talk about um, our belief structures, you have to go back to the fall of the Roman Empire. And if you're going to talk specifically about Christianity and heaven, you have to go back to that time. Um, okay. And frankly, you have to go back to the Greeks before that to, to look at some of the concepts that Western civilization, sort of, sort of if, you, so if you look at like, Europeans as the inheritors of Western or or I don't know what word you want to use, but like uh, those who consider ourselves the inheritance of Western civilization and those ethos, et cetera, there there is a transference between a lot of like pre-Christian Greek ideals, pre-Christ, uh, okay. pre-Christian German ideals, Christmas, the Christmas tree for fuck's sake. Oh, yeah, 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 um, yeah okay. You know, pagan ideals um, and how those have melded and been wrapped into what are christian interpretations of said events and said figures rebranding um, of it to show like to- oh totally was, easter was totally our thing all along look at how yes. great it was in this easter was clearly the pagan holiday of you know rebirth and springtime right. this is exactly why i've buried the lead i wanted to get no, you no, on no. as just a creative kind of free-thinking person and now it's like oh right you i'm gonna have, blow up every category it's you awful. have a wealth of I'm knowledge <laughs> this is no this is exactly why yeah okay so and what else i think about with that period of time too is just the consolidation of power because reading was just yep. such a guarded secret that people didn't read people weren't no literate read. Oh, until very recently yeah until very very recently very in recently. human history so it was oratory yeah um so that's why the the value of the bible is so incredibly high because it's this document that a very few people were allowed to interpret and disseminate in latin to groups of people that didn't understand latin eventually anymore yeah and they just knew that what they were saying was holy and then would be transferred into their languages. I I, I feel like I'm I'm giving uh, Christianity a bad shake, but I'm just from a from a history perspective to summarize. Um, the the Roman Empire fell, but the Roman Empire had held sway over a lot of the world, right? Yeah. In its wake, both spiritually, because there was a spiritual system of worship that most people agreed. There's many demigods, you know, etc. Some ancestor worship. And some acceptance of regional um, pantheons, which were different, 
with that going away around Constantine's time in the fourth four hundreds, um, there was there was a vacuum and there was a need for a new system. So not only was the power of the Roman Empire falling because there were Vandals and Huns and all these different groups coming into the empire, um, the spiritual cohesiveness of this society was crumbling. And so as the it's it, why I bring it up is it's interesting because at that time you have the intersection of the fall and demise of an empire and the rise of what will then um, act as the bridge from that empire to a new society, yeah. which is what we would consider to be Western Christendom. And Western Christendom was much more of a society for us up until a very recent, recent history than democracy was or than country was or that like people didn't consider themselves French or Italian or whatever. You're, you're, you're Christian and you live in Christian lands. Yeah. And you have laws and rights, et cetera, most of which are are, are are determined by priests, you know, or holy people, not by the state. You know, uh, kings and queens got their authority from saying, I am um, appointed by God through X archbishop or the pope, you know. The thing about the Holy Roman Church that people don't understand is if you look at the structure of the church and the sort of vestiges of the fallen Roman Empire, the two are mapped perfectly. So the whole and I see it today even too. Let's get into let's get into um um some of the abuses of the Catholic Church more recently and that's a whole different ballgame, but like with young boys and like molestation, etc. Um total sidebar I'm going there. All the way back to Greek times, like relationships between young boys and older men was a commonly and or accepted practice yeah there was a name for it too is it it's i want to say it was based in pederasty but it's totally it's something like that where it's basically like right this kind of end run around the idea of celibacy and it's it's a longer standing notion that has gotten to be this weird tendrilled version of what that was into our modern society with how that's yeah, and it's not a direct correlation, but I mean the whole like boy lover thing has been going on since the Greeks and inherited by the Romans yeah. and subsequently inherited into the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. And probably hidden ever since and and has been an acceptable clause for more than 2000 years. Right. We see the outrage that modern culture has about it now, but there's this almost you can kind of feel the room from the Catholic side of it, from the real hierarchical side of it, kind of like, well, I mean, but this is how we've always done it. Like, yeah, yeah. and we're saying yeah. now, stop doing that. But yeah, they're not coming out being like, this is royally effed up. They're being like, how do we will remedy this? this situation. And, and you're like, yeah, like it's not. And it, certainly the abuses probably have other roots in modern times. But there, there are... What I'm saying is there are threads historically that you can draw back very, very far. Echoes and rings throughout history that yeah. you can keep tracing back to. So in looking at our views of death and looking at our views of the afterlife and painting this picture, that picture was painted and very specifically mapped um, what we would call the Dark Ages probably, but in a time when an empire fell and there was no empire to replace it and there were threats to what was considered Christendom um, and there were... You know, both armies and wars and uh, peoples who had to fight for territory, both spiritual and physical and religious and economic, um, but also um, 
just vacuums, huge vacuums. And in, into that vacuum, you have the early seeds of uh, European civilization. And you can still, if you look at it, draw the thread from early European civilization to today. People think of like uh, 700 AD or 1300 AD. It's like, that's a long time ago. And it's like, sure, it is. But it's, it's not in terms of this conversation we're having. Yeah. The views on the afterlife haven't actually changed that much because we just had we just defined like what's the christian and maybe that's debasing but like the christian version of this white heaven yada, yada. that picture was drawn a long time ago the picture of christ like i was in constantinople and i saw this painting and this old and it was um yeah it was during I'm, i want to say it was like fourth to seven it was in that time and it was like conserved very well and it's this incredible painting of christ and i'm like wow it's eastern byzantine it's in this period where a lot of these things are being shaped. It looks just like the pictures of Jesus you see on the cards you buy in the store. Oh, it looks like, like hippie Jesus? It's Well, no, it's it's a darker hippie Jesus. Okay, okay. But, you know, Jesus became whiter and blonder and, you know, as, as the— Post-World War II kind of— Right, as the center of Western Christendom shifted from the Middle East to Southern Europe to Central Europe, France, to, hmm, lots of different places, to America— like, but like rings on a tree, you can kind of trace the progression of like here was here, and then he gets a little lighter, and then we go out here. Like, okay. Yes. So now we've got the white, blue-eyed Jesus. Jesus did not look like me. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> for those who have not met Canute before, who haven't had the pleasure, he is possibly the most Scandinavian person that you could meet. He is. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, you're. <laughs> so, all of this being said, yeah, we're t- I'm going on a major tangent. This Apologies. is no, but this is primo. I love it. But that was about 20 minutes of you going off at the drop of a hat with this notion. So is that all common ground for you? Is that all – or rather, not common ground. It's a sickness. I can't not think about anything without doing that. Okay, so that's what I wanted to ask is that – And I'll I'll tell you why. Let's make it about death too. Sure. Because I have fucking failed myself in in thinking through these kinds of issues. I've like – I've burned myself by biting hook, line, and sinker some of the ideas about faith and religion and, and death and sex and all the most important things in life. I've 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 been the one that's bought like the the tail. And then I've also been the one to, to actually examine it and come alive again and be like, what the fuck? You know, this is not this is not what they said it was, and nor do they have their facts straight. That the kind of roller coaster of really falling heavily in love with something, and then suddenly yep. once that the the veil comes off, you're like, was I being lied to this whole time? Like, well, <laughs> right. I mean, kind of, but kind of. in a way. But yeah. So, is that and you know, forgive me, this is too personal, but is that sure. part of the reason go, for go, therapy? Let's go like, super personal. You don't have to. You mentioned therapy. Is that oh, yeah. something that you deal with with? Um, letting go of those anxieties like trying to get through your daily life sure. functioning with that no it's not like i have daily functioning issues that are around death or spirituality or no faith. but um, all of that preamble that you gave to basically say sure here's a short answer here's, here's 20 the, minutes of me unpacking yeah. that yeah but then condensing it back down to a soundbite again is that is that a glimpse into your mind of how that works yeah yeah totally i think my friend Sam in Colorado, well, lived, we went to school together. Would would he came along for a ride with me as I sort of journeyed into 
a born again Christian community um, for a period in college. And see that that's a whole side of you I've never heard about, and that right. also to find that during college, like you know about yeah. beer, right? You've had oh beer? yeah, <laughs> and I drank beer, you know, and but so he he came along for the ride and knew me well enough, and I think saw the whole time that I was journeying to sort of the center of that world in a sort of like not duplicitous but sort of a dual fashion. I am interested. And want to find myself at the center of this community because I want to know. I want the answer from like, what's the experience of being? Because like I was up there and I actually gave like sermons and I sang in the four or five group of people up in front that were like doing the gospel singing clappy thing, you know. (laughs) So I was quickly in the center of a community that um, was not extreme, but was... Um, very fundamentalist um, and very uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the word is but ill-advised in their approach to other Christian communities and ill-advised in their approach to uh, new members um, definitely very specific about what it meant to be a Christian very I mean it was it was a born-again community that was like kind of isolationist no 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 so I mean it was I mean, it's the Church of Christ, um, which there's many different variations on the Church of Christ, but it's a Baptist, if you if you had to put it in any category, it's a Baptist, evangelical, free, modern, um, sort of roofless church, meaning like they don't, they don't own a church. They assemble, like at the time we assembled in the campus, or we would assemble in public places and there's a lot of like let's make everyone else Christians right no it's crazy totally yeah like visiting my wife in Colorado at the same time I was going with her to Buffs games that you were somewhere I was going to church with a bible and like taking notes and I mean I was also still me I was also still a human like I'm also like well yeah no but just the idea of everybody goes through changes in their life but it just seems a bit far removed from the you that I've known for the past decade of sure it's just a fascinating part of you that I hadn't really yeah. privy to. I mean, a lot of people aren't that weren't there. Well, I appreciate you sharing it. What, if anything, caused? Was there a particular isolated incident that caused the falling out, or what? What led you away from that? Um, I mean, many, and I, this is where I think I'm lending contextual color to every thousandth thing I've said before. And so sure. I'm sorry to all the listeners. Um, no, and for the record, if any Christians are offended by this, I would suggest forgiving us yeah yeah for sure (laughs) yeah and i i have uh nothing but positive feelings for all the people in that like church and i i for anyone who believes in a fundamental christian message congratulate like great i'm happy for you and if you found christ and you've embraced that I have no problem. Like, yeah, as I've I said many times, yeah. I'm, if anything, envious because they have seemingly some answers and some comfort from so this. But answers. so, what for you started to cause that rift where you said sure. maybe this isn't for me? Yeah. So, I mean, a number of different things. I was involved enough that I started to see the inner workings and the gears of the sort of clock behind the scenes oh, and the machinations of the pol- the machinations. Political. Yeah. And I was dating someone who wasn't in the church or started dating someone who wasn't in the church and that was attention um and there was not an attempt to convert that person like they didn't want another convert 
Oh no, they for sure wanted another convert. Oh, like I mean, okay. it was it was ju- but it was just a it was a source of tension, you know, that I think I even had a confrontation with someone who was like a quote-unquote friend of mine in the church that was like, you know, like what are you doing with this like outsider? Outs- yeah, yeah, like what how are you dating this person? Are you like carrying on with sinful behavior, you know? And I was like and that's that was that was a big part of it. Um uh I mean it it was it was a it was a it was a fundamental thing too just in like the belief structure the choice of because I'm someone who digs in deep and like we yeah. were we're doing like transliteration translation like we're looking at okay this was translated from Greek to Aramaic or or sorry Aramaic to Greek to from Greek to uh, French or what like if you look at NIV versus NSRV or different Bible sources and actually trace the the how it was translated or transliterated, the meanings change. You they know? do. That's it's a very semantical thing, but it's fascinating. And talking yeah. about different sources for the Gospels, who wrote what, based off yeah. of Q, did the yeah okay. Right. So you so, were looking at the the math of it. You were looking yeah. really behind the curtain of like where the data is coming from. Yeah, I was depressed. I mean, we're gonna if you, we this could be a really long episode, so you just need to stop. Uh, no, if you've got point. a hard out, let me know. Yeah. No, no, not at all. No, I just mean like we could go in any one of these areas, and it could get out of control. Was the depression? simply tangentially coincidental or was it something that was i I wouldn't call it coincidental i think i have a i think everyone if you look at a chart has a propensity to a mental disorder of some kind or a mental disease whatever you want to call it and then a stress threshold for that said Mm. um condition physical and mental you know so i think Mm -hmm. for me in that scenario in college i reached that threshold and so well, yeah, all of this uh, on top of the fact that you're a student living yeah, away from yeah. your family. I totally. mean, this is not, you know, it's not like you're just there with your, just like we're camping every weekend. Like no, you had like <laughs> you had midterms yeah, and finals, yeah. and you were living on your own. And like this yeah. is all totally. And I'm guessing they wanted you living with like them in no, a no. No, I mean that that was I had roommates um, who are all still some of my absolute best friends today, okay. and you know they were the whole time they were like. Yeah, like they all call me K. It's no one here calls me K, which is whatever. But you know, they were all like, "Yeah, man, like K's going to church again." Okay, like, are you coming skiing this weekend? I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm coming skiing this week." You know, it was like they were just totally cool with it. They just thought of a kind of like a quirk of your behavior lately, of like, oh, yeah, it's Jesus. Thing. And that's where know. Sam, yeah, Sam was like, I had started out in film school, and I had shot some short films with it. it was an experimental program, so I had shot some films with Sam where I like. You know, covered him in like goat's blood and like made like just some weird. We just went zero to eleven real no, quick. No, totally. Yeah, <laughs> like he he had we together had experience. He was from like New York City. I was from the Midwest. We had sort of experienced some things together. That like uh, he he sort of I think he was on to me before I was on to me. Where he was like, "You're doing this Christian thing," you know. He's like, "Cool, cool. I'll come to Bible study with you." But he was also like, "I kind of think he's like he's just like." He's going into the abyss because he wants to know. But he, I think he knew deep down I was like, it was like wasn't gonna work, you know. Yeah. Did you ever read Siddhartha? Sure. Yeah. It has so been a the, while. Uh, yeah. The idea of like, well, just try them all out and see which one. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah. Uh, we're gonna try this Jesus thing and see if this is it. So, both as a cause of and in absence of what was happening, you were finding yourself incredibly deeply depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of so there, again, Minnesota guilt, um, raised to perform and expect such big things out of yourself, uh, introducing additional 
religious fervor and Mm -hmm. then tension over and this is maybe happening over a year and a half or so you know tension with said leaders in community over life choices plus equals not even 21 yet you know um yeah, that's a lot to lay on a person. It was a lot. And I think there was one semester I'm like taking 18, 19 credits. It was like I was taking courses that I like I remember had like a biology course and stuff. I, and I definitely like cracked, you know, I um, and then and it was sort of a spiral from there for a little while. And so I it was sort of self-preservation as I got myself out of the church and also. You know, I had a good support system and roommates. I was dating someone that was awesome, and like it was this. At the time, I had I had good family support and that stuff. But I mean, I that if we want to talk about death, I mean that was I had a pretty severe panic attack, and I hadn't experienced like panic or sleeplessness. That or, feels like dying. Feels too. Like dying. I mean that. Yep, and I so that that was kind of like a moment in time. Then, like I had this experience where. I was up for a long time. I was working on some like finals materials. And then I like had this crazy wild panic attack where I like, I, I shut down. Like I, I really like couldn't breathe. I wasn't like feeling anything in my entire body shut down to the point where like I couldn't move my lips. And I thought I was having a heart attack. I mm-hmm. was like, and the like police came and like people came to our house and like Roddy was there with me, my roommate at the time. And he was awesome. He was like, he was like, he came to the hospital and like laid in the, like the, the, you know, he waited and there was like two in the morning and he, he like, he drove my car there and like the whole thing. And they thought I was like on drugs. So they were like, what, like, what is he taking? And, you know, then they like pumped me with some random adrenaline and I was like barfing and like, it was just hey, like you're having a panic attack. Here's a little more. We're going totally, to totally. top you off a little. Yeah. Well, it's honestly really sweet that he would come to the hospital and like take care of like, I, I Dude's take awesome. care of my buddy Kay. I got to like, also I'm bringing Kay back. I'm going to just, I'm putting it out there on social media. Like guys from now on, we're changing. We're rebranding. Okay. Um, so kind of like how some people find themselves really falling into religion at a crisis moment, you find yourself just recalibrating and saying, yeah. I don't think this shakes out. Like, yeah. And I'm, I'm compressing a lot of time because it took me oh, sure. a couple, couple few years to like unravel and reflect on what I was experiencing and – well, and even to get the hindsight to look back and say, what was right. I really dealing with? What was I kind of taking yep. away from this? So has this been – do you think that that entire time frame or that epoch of your life, mm-hmm. do you think that that influenced your longer-lasting views on spirituality the same way that your childhood would have? Sure. It, it, it was, I think, a continuation of a part of a belief from childhood that got, like, fuel thrown onto it. Um that had a pretty healthy root that then was kind of nourished into something unhealthy. Okay. For me. Which and, that's that's very possible. That's why right. weeds grow in the right condition. I had a right. water issue up in the playroom upstairs and the uh, insurance company people are out here saying, well, you know, in perfect conditions it takes mold three days to grow with right. this. Like your spirituality under the perfect conditions would normally thrive like this, but right. with this pressure of college and this yeah. – particular sect of christianity that yeah sounds kind of cultish like that well i had that in addition i had like family and people being like you're in a cult like or they they didn't say that but they like my mom was like disappointed i would like got baptized again your mom was was, disappointed in you for being religious well well she she was she was no not entirely (laughs) her disapproval was mrs sands i'm sorry was was heard like over phone conversation like you know mm. it was it, she never verbally was like don't do this she just was kind of like 
oh, you're getting baptized again, but you like you've already been baptized. You know, it was like mm. so the tension was felt there too in the like I'm breaking from family tradition and doing something new. I'm putting a stake in the ground as a different part of Christianity, you know. Yeah. And then but it, but it was all like a great experience in that like I exited that um in a pretty rough spiritual or mental framework, started going to talk therapy. I did a period on some antidepressants. Um, I'm not on any antidepressants today. And I, you know, I, I go to therapy and it's, I love it. I think everyone should go all the time, but like, it's so that I can unravel, like, how can I make my marriage better? How, like, even in like death, it's, I, so I'll use, we don't have to get too much into it, but about a year ago, I was going to therapy, and this therapist I see is actually um, she's awesome. I've seen her for years. She's a she's a, she's a family therapist, but she's also a death and dying therapist. She's really yep. She's had terminal cancer twice, survived twice, and she's had death experiences with both. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that so so that's been a theme of our therapy in defining like life and what it means to be alive and and she has a lot of experience with like using that as a lens to to be like what you know what where do these choices fall on the spectrum when you think about like death or like what you know what and and she's helps me even think about like what do I want my death to be like or what do I what and I I had a period with her where I was really leaning into the death theme heavily and I sort of had to step away from it periodically because it was just I was doing a lot of meditation and a lot of um, visualization and a lot of um, or just like exploratory um, self-care that was also really dark that I think it's important for everyone to do like I think you should think about what what we're talking about here is like what does death mean what do you think about death um, like and literally not knowing when you're going to die, what do you maybe think you want? Like, maybe you should have a will. What's going to be in it? And and what are you going to leave? And what do you like? Those are all questions you have to answer. And if you don't, that's okay. But I, I think in thinking about a lot of those things, I've in, in talking about the Christian context, I've leaned into christianity in the afterlife and a heaven and a hell and a right and a wrong you know i've leaned into it from just more of a nothing will happen so i mean we're talking a lot about the christianity thread but we could also loop back to you know spending a couple months in a buddhist monastery and trying to understand that philosophy and finding the same not disappointment but finding some of the same themes and some of the same darkness in any one obsession or any one thread, if you want to go there spiritually. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering if what we should do is we should break it in half and say, call this for now and say, let's pick back up. And that way it doesn't get too exhausting for people because this is a lot to unpack. (laughs) Yeah. But like, because there's so many things like I, I, I've known you I'm for your problem child. Well, I've like I said, I've known you for a decade. I didn't know about this whole this whole phase of your life that you've been talking about. So but then phases. also just the idea of I have go- so many secrets. <laughs> going to a monastery, like 
and doing that because I've run into my own similar issues with basically a lot of why I'm going to therapy is to just figure out, all right, so I'm figuring out that if I just keep beating my head against the wall with different methods of doing it, yeah. at the end of the day, I'm just beating my head against the wall. And if the, if nothing is going to intrinsically change what's inside here, what it is to be John, yeah. then I've got to learn how to be at peace with my own existence and my own facts of what is because I can't change no yeah. amount of faith or um, no religious practice or meditation is going to change that I can do things to kind of tamp down and quiet down the ghosts in my head but at the end of the day I have to learn do how to you? deal with it well <laughs> I like to think I have some grip on it but... I don't I don't want to turn this on you but can I so Please. I just had a great I've had a great um, therapy run the last six months and examining some pretty specific issues and I'm having a child um, that's not an issue. That's a, like, something Wait, I'm, you, I'm stoked about. Yeah. The last time we talked, you were talking about having a child. Are you actually having a child now? Yeah, July. No. July third. Yeah. So really, it's a boy. Get yeah. out. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not like, joking. Okay. No. So no, 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 no. Okay. So first of all, yes. High five. I'm very happy for you. Congratulations. <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, second, I'll obviously make sure that this is vegan, kosher, copacetic. Oh, for whatever. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, but that my point shit. being, yeah, we're gonna have to we've talk got lots of years to yeah. have a problematic child and whatever I teach him wrong. Um, one thing my therapist recently has totally helped me see is how much I continue to revert back into trying to fix myself. And she said, she just pulled me out of this whole thing because I was like going through that. And I was like, oh, and, I like, and she was like, here's what you need to know. She, she was like, what if your compass is not broken? Oh, fuck. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? And she was like, what if you're not broken? What if your compass is not broken? And what if the problem is you, like, everybody else out there is wrong and you're right and you cannot believe that you're the right one? And I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I had heard those kinds of, and like we had worked through some of that stuff, but she just caught me in this right moment where she's like, do you see what you're doing to yourself psychologically? Yeah, your right defenses now? were down in that moment, and she just got you where you just, she sucker punched you emotionally. Totally. You're like, oh, I yeah. never, oh. And I was like, sucks. you're right. And she was like, the thing is, you need to, you need to, like, you have these demons or you have these issues or you have these feelings. We're not working on getting rid of them, they're never going to go away. Yeah. They they might always 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 be there. You're you're working on tolerance. Yeah, you're working on listening. You're working on welcoming them in because the anxiety, the frustration, the sadness, the whatever it is comes in like when you're going to battle with an issue, you you just make it so much worse. Mm-hmm. And what you need to do is look at it with some more, like some grace and some actual, like some love and go like, well, this is a part of me. It came from somewhere. What is this? Why is it here? Yeah. Or like if it's panic, I, I'm, not, I'm not dealing with a lot of panic scenarios, but um, having the courage to be like, no, like I'm going to open the door up and just kind of let that feeling play out and not be like, how dare you feel this and like smash it Tamp down it with down, a one, two, three, touch a touch, tamp it down. Yeah. And having a system because for a while I was like, oh, I'm going to meditate and I'm this, I'm going to yoga and it's not going away. And it's like the point is not to make it go. Like you're not trying to make it go away. Yeah. Like life is not going to stop. You're not going to feel like level and perfect at some point. The yeah. point is to just feel fine with all those things and to find a happiness in yourself and to like, at least for me, 
to to trust myself and love myself enough to be like dude yeah you're fine and like it's fine that you feel all these things and it's totally cool if you want to like make this huge decision about your life because you're right about that as opposed to like going through every other scenario which is being like well like this is the you know this is the vegan version of it and like hey over here i could go through the like maybe i need to be and we we go through that in life where we like put on this whole thing and we put on this whole thing and we try that thing and it's everyone else's stuff until you're left with yourself Mm -hmm. being like what if i just would have done the thing i wanted to do to begin with and just been like no, you're you're good. Your compass is good. It's pointing in the right direction. Follow yeah. it. It's the farther away I've gotten from being a banker. Yeah. That I've realized how much I was not a banker in parenthetical <laughs> yeah. quotes. Then, you know, you take the flower. Yeah, you always said you always said that, and I'm like, banker, what is it? Like? Okay, I'm just gonna move on. Yeah. Now I. That's like me when people are like I work in marketing, SEO. It's uh, like, yeah, okay. But there's clearly a lot going on there. The gears are constantly spinning for good reason. But yeah. like. The more I pick the flower up out of the flower pot and shake the dirt off, the the root ball opens up a bit more, and I feel a little more like I'm not going through phase of like banker John or like yeah musician John. That it's just like if I'm just trying to be as authentic to myself as possible without sounding pretentious. That like yeah yeah, it's learning how to deal with the fact that I'm going to have these obsessive dog chasing his own tail thoughts about anxiety and what I'm dealing with and what has helped me realize how I'm going to handle that is that creativity doesn't just go away if you don't exercise it that it metastasizes it becomes sorrow and anguish and then it's just like oh I need to exercise that part because if I don't acknowledge that part of who I am right it's just going to cause emotional cancer so I need to make sure that I'm being as me as possible that's healthy right to make sure that my existence is not just this endeavor of just self-flagellation well, and that you're not, if I could add to that, that you're not locking yourself into like a definition of me yeah, that is unchanging or that is somehow like so defined that you're chained to it. And like in hearing you talk about that stuff too, that, yeah, I, I just, I, I think, yeah, anyhow, you're, yeah, you're you, I'll let you. No, what I honestly, what I might do is I might just take this all and crack this in half because this is a lot to unpack, but. Yeah. From what it sounds like, you're basically okay with the idea of not knowing what happens. But I'm excited to find out. Okay. And well, my wife's going to listen to this at some point. But if you want to know how I want to die, I'm willing to go there too. How would you like to die? I have a lot of ideas. Uh-oh. And these are not suicidal thoughts. <laughs> like this is cool, great. crazy ways of... Yeah, okay. yeah. I really don't like... I mean, I like graveyards. I like jogging in a graveyard. Like, I, I think graveyards are cool places. I don't know that I want to be in a graveyard. I've th- I've just thought about, like, wouldn't it be cool for, for me um, wanting to be, like, a species on the planet? You know? <laughs> this is all funny shit that probably will never happen. But, like... Would it be cool to sort of like cover myself and just like uh, Taco Bell and honey and just like go out into the wilderness and just like try to piss off a bear? You know what I mean? And just like go out that way. Just be like, I'm going <laughs> to fucking mess with this bear. I know I'm dying. Let's say I've got like stage four cancer or some shit. And this is maybe offensive. But like I would just I think on some level to me, that's appealing because I'm like, sure, eat me. 
I'm an animal, you're an animal. The alternative is they're going to pump me with a bunch of weird toxins and people are going to look at my flagellated weird body yeah. and like in a thing or like, I mean, they're going to burn me. It's like, that's fine. But like, I have lots of other options. But like, wouldn't that be cool if something ate me and like I was used for good? And not only that, if you're looking at basically the- People are the... going to be like, this guy's a sick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> People on the internet know how to get a hold of the authorities. <laughs> we will have your house surrounded. Uh, no, like the idea of you're existing now, you know you're not going to exist, and the only difference for a lot of people is that interstitial moment of like, well, what is the dying process? And yeah. if it's ownership of like, well, I don't want to go out like this, like cover myself in honey and just go out there and see what happens and make it weird. And <laughs> You just don't die at all. Yeah, just I mean, seriously. Just like a bunch of like bees sting you. And, How's uh, it going? I'm a mess. Uh, but uh, not dead yet. God damn it. Well, holy shit. Let's, I, would you want to come back on and talk more about this? Sure. Like, uh, and we that... can be more precise about our topics because I can take this off the rails. Well, so knowing what I know about you now, having uncovered this, like we would not have gone over half of this stuff if we were just sitting in a bar yeah, having a beer. Totally. I've got notes to unpack all this stuff, and there's things that are going to come up where I want to ask more about this, like the fact that specifically your creative writing, I recently ran into this with somebody who questioned the idea of doing something without the sake of having an audience for it, like wanting to write, but like, well, yeah. why are you not publishing? Well, it's for me, but yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you about that, but also the idea of okay, so it's like hard sci-fi. So there are questions there that I want to unpack about, like okay, so yeah. what does this mean for your sense of organization in the universe? Of like, yeah, that's right. one topic we didn't cover when it comes to death too. Is like we think about death and spirituality, we don't think about cosmic origin, or we don't think about life. And yeah, our, we're star stuff. We're star stuff, yeah. and we're that's that's really cool because like. We we know even less about that than we do about our planet, and it's like, so I don't know. It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> I know that much. I know that it's turtles That's all the right. way down. Damn those turtles. Um, well, shit, Canute. This has been absolutely just weird and oh, fun. It's this a is, pleasure, man. This, this is, is exactly great. what I wanted to talk. I love to. talking this stuff. So we will. Uh, we're gonna get this scheduled to get this back up and running because I have many things I want to discuss. So, Sweet. Uh, before we wrap up, anything you want to just tell the people, like. Uh, no, thank you for having me on, and I don't think any of us should be afraid of death. Shit, we'll pick it up there. Cool.